Hi, and welcome to Whole Heart Transformation. I am Melissa Alguera, your personal identity life coach. Let's go to the podcast. Welcome to my 15th podcast. I decided that with this podcast, I wanted to share my personal journey through heartbreak and betrayal. And I know I've mentioned this throughout some of my other podcast episodes, and if you haven't heard them, I invite you to go back and take a listen. I think they're pretty awesome. But um, I have sprinkled some of that throughout my previous episodes, but I really wanted to share some of the real nitty gritty about what I've been through. And the reason I wanted to share it, and I've chosen now, um, after almost three years into recovery and reconciliation with my husband is because I think some of the things that I've found in my own personal journey and with working with clients as a coach is that there are so many elements to our story. And if we didn't grow up with boundaries, um, if we grew up with over-spiritualizing everything if we didn't grow up with knowing how to handle difficult situations with people that we are intimately involved with, it's really hard to know how to handle hard things when they come up in relationship. So I want to share my story from the beginning of um, our marriage, my husband and I. But I do want to give you a little background about myself so you can kind of understand. So I grew up in a Christian home, and from an early age, I felt like I heard God when he would speak to me. I I felt like one of those people that um, just knew when God was speaking, and I didn't really question, is that you, God? You know, I just, you know, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was just an inner knowing, and so... Um, I often would be led by that and made my decisions off of that. I also have a lot of prophetic dreams, dreams that are maybe warnings or um, something that, you know, God is revealing that something has been healed for. I've had dreams for other people where, you know, God has shown me someone who's hurting and, Maybe I need to reach out to them or pray for them or something. You know, it's it's been incredible to and, and so I feel so honored to be able to help other people receive love from God and, and know that they are so loved and like he is thinking about them through dreams. Um I I often, you know, have been prophetic and I don't want to say often I'm I have that prophetic gifting I get words for people and you know it's I've learned how to operate in that gift the last year real fine-tuned and I'm sure I'm still on a path of fine-tuning because that's never ending um but yeah just getting prophetic words for people and if you don't know what that is that's where you get insight to the person's identity and what God has for them and how to encourage them in that. And sometimes you get like little bits and pieces about their life that maybe, you know, only God would know, or maybe there was a confirmation that they needed. 
recently I had um, a word for this guy, a prophetic word for this guy who I was at a dinner with my family and, oh, actually it was breakfast. We were at breakfast (laughs) and I look over and I get this like whole, what I would call like download about this person. And I um, actually felt like I saw that he had a lineage in in people who served in the army or the Marines or something like that. And um, I, I was like, oh my gosh, like how amazing is this? And then I also felt like I heard God say, he's, he is a soldier. Like I've created him to be this way. And so uh, with fear and trembling, I went to this man and I said, Hey, this is what I'm getting. I don't know if this resonates with you. And he was like freaking out because he literally was just passing our town through our town uh, that day with a friend to get a car. And he was just talking with his friend about enlisting in the army. And this was like this beautiful confirmation. And here I never had met him. I'd never seen him before. He looked like out of like some sort of fifties book. He just, he had, you could see that there were generations back. He just looked like this. Like he just looked like he came out of the fifties, like of people that served in the army or the Marines, you know? And so it was just really beautiful um, to experience that. So that's kind of how I operate. And I've always had a very, very strong spiritual um, understanding and insight, if you will. And so that kind of brings me to the point of where I met and married my husband. And then about nine months after we got married, um, I had discovered some of his secret life. And at this point, I was 24 and he was, I think he was 21. He's younger than me. So, um, And, you know, I felt young and not really sure what was happening and didn't understand um, what issues he was having. And so I had discovered this secret sexual life that he had. And only just a minuscule bit of that life. And so I decided to do what I usually do, which is go and seek God. And so that day I had in my mind, I think I'm just going to get an annulment at nine months, you know, like it's not that big of a loss. We actually hadn't been married um, or we had only been married nine months, but we were only together 18 months when this happened. We got, we met and got married really fast. The typical Christianese thing to do, (laughs) but I digress. So we'd only known each other for a short period of time anyways. And I was thinking I should just cut my losses. And I went to the beach and just kind of did this whole thing where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to just open the Bible and hope that God speaks to me on the beach. And so that's what I did. And I opened my Bible straight to the book first chapter of Hosea. And if you don't know that story, um, it is 
a story about Hosea, who is a prophet, and God calls him to marry a prostitute. God has a plan in that story to restore Israel using the life of Hosea and Gomer as this prostitute. And he restores Gomer at the end of the story. And, you know, he, and he goes through all the details of how he's going to restore Gomer. Well, anyways, I felt that God was speaking to me that that would be my life. And I just remember sobbing and saying, no, 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 no. I do not want this life. Please. This is not what I want, you know? And as a young person, I just was like, okay, like I'll just do whatever you want, God. And so after that day, um, I basically told my husband, you need to go get help. And so he went on a weekend um, to Every Man's Battle. If you haven't heard of it, that's where he went. He came back from Every Man's Battle and confessed some of the things that he did um, with his sex addiction before our marriage and after our marriage but didn't give me a lot of details. There was just unfaithfulness basically. And I was angry and I was, I was traumatized already by that point because number one, I had never even uh, for myself, I'd never even seen pornography. I think um, I might have seen one video when I was 17 and it was like one of those ones where it's just like, really gross. And a lot of people were just watching it in a room. I was a teenager and it wasn't like for arousal. It was like to laugh at what was happening. So just one of those really kind of dumb teenager things that you do. And that was the only pornography that I had ever seen. So I had no scope for what pornography could do. And just so you know, there is a organization called Fight the New Drug that is a non, uh, it's, it's not a religious organization. And they talk about the effects of pornography, not only on the user, but the people that are being used as actors or actresses in the pornography. And it's, it's a detrimental and they have a lot of studies. So if you're interested in that, you can go to fightthenewdrug.org or check out their Facebook for more information and Instagram too. But anyways, so, um, with that being said, you know, I, I had no concept of anything and I was like, I just need to follow God. Well then, um, fast forward, I'm going to have to fast forward through this. So at that point when he came home and he said what he said about what he did, I was thinking, okay, this is the past. Like, this is not the future. Like, okay. Like the Hosea life is over. (laughs) Like that's not for me. And I just went into denial and then my daughter was born. And I think that was about three years after he had confessed, um, what he had done before and after, um, our marriage at that nine month, that nine month mark. Well then five years into our marriage, my daughter's born And I start to find um, chats that my husband was attempting to do. And so here we are again, 
going back through the whole, okay, let's try to find help. Let's try to find a therapist. And really in a lot of ways, I remember sitting in the therapy office and just trying to be like, can somebody tell me what the heck to do here? Because I had had so many Christians and spiritual leaders saying, oh, if you feel like God told you to stay with him and be with him, then you just got to wait it out. And there were so many things that were going through my mind now that I have a child involved in this, right? Like now I don't, it's not just me. I have another little person and I intentionally waited to have a little person in our life um, to see if my husband was in a good place. And he seemed to be in a good place from what I thought. He played a really good role with his uh, addiction, hiding it. So anyways, um, so we go to this therapist and it's a marriage therapist and there's a lot of detail and a lot of damage, um, that happened. But I will say, I remember asking her is, is it like, okay, if I have a non-negotiable when it comes to these particular certain behaviors? And in my mind, I mean, I think consciously, I didn't think that he would actually cross flesh lines for whatever reason. I thought marriage was going to fix our problem and so did he. And so I was like, oh, he probably won't cross like flesh lines anymore in our relationship because, you know, we've, we've dealt with that. We fixed it. And well, you know, when you have a problem and you're not bringing it into the light, that problem will fester until it becomes a big gaping hole. And so Anyways, I said to her, is it okay Like, if I have these non-negotiables? And she's like, of course it is. Well, at that point, I was like, okay, like, so I have this non-negotiable. And I didn't think anything else of it. I didn't do anything else with that. And just said, okay, like, it's a non-negotiable in the office, and, and that's it. And so um, then we, then we, like, okay, so fast forward many, many years there really wasn't anything that came out after my daughter was born. There was one possible accusation, um, which was weird because there were things that had happened that caused me to believe my husband that he had not had um, any affairs. And so I was, you know, I was like in total, um, I don't want to say denial, but kind of denial. I definitely was in denial. I'm not, I'm not dismissing that, but this portion of the story where there was an accusation, it's not that I was in denial, but it was that I was gaslit so bad that I, I couldn't see what was truth. And so we, um, we like, you know, keep going, living our life. And then at our 13 year mark, after I have our second child, now, um, I find out some of the truth. I I'm sent like information that he can no longer deny or hide this sex addiction. And so I'm, I'm devastated and I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this is, this is happening because remember what I said in the beginning about Hosea, you know, living a Hosea life. I didn't think that 
in my you know conscious mind that I would actually be living this with him. And at this time too, I'm like, I'm like the main worship leader at our church. I'm over the worship team. My husband is doing this with me. We have all of these prophetic words over our marriage. And I'm just like clinging to all of these things. And at the same time, I'm like, I feel like something's really off. And so I start having dreams even, and I'm having dreams about um, secret things that he's doing. And I would just push them away because I, I think that the denial made me feel like I, I could survive that way. Like if I don't know the details then I can survive. And a lot of those of us that live with somebody with sex addiction, a lot of us struggle to live that way because in our gut, we feel like something's wrong. But when you live with somebody who, in my case, was very loving and very kind and very, you know, my husband, I felt like he adored me. I didn't, I didn't have abuse or like, you know, direct abuse you know, everything was behind the scenes. And even though it was behind the scenes, I felt like we were all kind of slowly dying. And so when, um, when this discovery happened in 2019, where he could no longer deny his secret life, he kind of ran from me. He was terrified for me to know the truth about him. And I remember he went to my pastor and told my pastor everything. It was the first time he had ever just let somebody know the entire truth from the beginning of his addiction at 11. I think it was 11, maybe even earlier to 2019 up into that point. He just told him everything. And I was like, okay, cool. Like now we're going to like have everything out in the open and everything's going to be told. And two weeks goes by and my husband did not want to confess. So to me, he confessed to my pastor, but he did not want to confess to me. And I pushed my husband. I said, okay, listen, like, um, and this was after right after um, the discovery was found where he couldn't deny it anymore. The next day um, after that first discovery in 2019, I said, Either you tell me everything that you um, have done or we have to separate. And so he was refused to tell me. And so we did. We separated. And so we did an in-house separation because at that point I was only working part-time. And I was also still nursing my son who was 18 months old and my daughter was eight. So I, I was like mostly a stay-at-home mom. I had a thriving wedding hair um, and makeup business. And it was booming at that time in 2019. And it was horrible because here I am now doing hair and makeup for celebrating love. And my love is like falling apart. And I can just feel even now, like the, the pain of that, you know, the, the dream that I had of this pure love just crumbled to the ground. And if you haven't experienced betrayal, let me tell you, it is, it is nearly the closest thing to losing a loved one. 
to death. The pain of it is so horrific. And when you lose somebody that is still alive, it is so painful. When you lose somebody to betrayal, it is so painful. It's like uh, wounds that are, you know, it's like internal bleeding that you can't see. And so that's where I was at. And I, and then I also had to make hard decisions and say, you know what, like, I'm not, I'm not going to stay in the same room or the same relational dynamics with you. If you're not going to be honest with me on who you've been. And so anyways, we separate and, um, then, you know, he tells my pastor and then two weeks later I call my pastors and I'm like, Malachi has still not confessed everything to me. And so they call me in to support me because at this point, I mean, they are literally my only support system. I have no therapist. I have no idea how to even handle this. We we knew um, that Malachi had possibly dealt with sex addiction, but our understanding of it was very different than what the definition of it is today. And so now it's like understood as a legitimate addiction. It's not even about sex. It's about just numbing, escaping, and, um, you know, getting away from pain and unfortunately using pornography or people to do so. And it's horrible and it's sad. And most of the people that do that have either been used themselves that way and they're a victim of sex addiction or, or, uh, abuse and, or, uh, emotional neglect. And then they repeat patterns. And so I tell my pastor, um, he has not confessed to me still. And I just remember them looking at me shocking, you know, shocked, like what? He still hasn't confessed. And I'm like, no. And so they were so incredibly supportive and helped me to start the journey to creating my first boundary, um, out of separation. So like I put the boundary of separation But then I think, you know, my husband was so in so much bondage to the addiction that it just ended up being that he needed more consequences and consequences weren't really something that I was familiar with in our relationship. And so I needed help with that. And so they helped me create the next consequence and I agreed with it but then I couldn't follow through and I couldn't follow through because I wasn't strong enough in myself. And I, and I kept holding on to all these prophetic words and all of these, you know, dreams that I had. And, and I was like, wait a minute, like this guy is literally doing his own thing and he's not standing on the prophetic words and he's not listening to what God said. And so I need to make a change here. So about 48 days after um, him being discovered or his behavior being discovered, I kicked him out of our house and I was done. And I even had a dream that night that I was on a boat and going through a huge tsunami and made it out the other side of the tsunami. And just to kind of shorten this up a little bit, um, that next day, And that night, actually that night and the next day after um, I kicked him out that night, um, my husband had 
some really horrible experiences. And then he also ended up having some sort of spiritual awakening with God that day. And I was ready to just be done with him. I was like, okay, I've done my part, God. Like I have, I've done what I saw and I'm not seeing any results. So I'm, I'm cutting him, I'm cutting him off. And so I ended up um, texting him the next day after I kicked him out and said, you need to come get your stuff. And it's really interesting. I don't want to share too much of his part of the story because I, I have asked him to come on eventually. So I'd love for him to share his part, but we'll just kind of leave it at that. But basically the next day he did come and he confessed everything that he could remember for the 13 years of our relationship at that point. And it was bad. It was full of adultery and tons of pain and pornography and just so many things that I just couldn't even imagine um, somebody could do when they were literally home after work every day and home on the weekends every day. I just couldn't even believe that this was something that somebody could do. So um, with that being said, part of the reason why I wanted to bring my story was because here we are now. Um, we've reconciled. My husband is doing amazing. Um, but there were things that, and I, and I'm doing so much better too, by the way, but let me tell you, betrayal trauma is horrible. I mean, the nightmares and the, the thoughts, I mean, I couldn't even go out places. I think I've mentioned that in some of my other podcasts, going out places and just being triggered by things that I saw was so horrible. And so I had to learn boundaries. I had to learn how to invite other people into our relationship and say, you know what? No, like I'm, I'm either over spiritualizing something to the point to where I'm just telling God like, okay, you're going to do it. And I have no part to play. I'm just going to sit back and let you take care of it. And I felt like God was like, no, like you need to stand up. Like I've made you a strong woman for a reason. And you need to stand up and put boundaries up with this person. And this person needs boundaries and consequences for their behavior. So once we started doing that, um, we started incorporating um, our therapist. And our therapist, this was so amazing because a lot of people that walk through this, they don't know how to have boundaries. So we had our boundaries written out, signed by a therapist. I will not tolerate this. I This will happen if you cross this boundary line. I mean, this was like incredible. And then to be held accountable for those boundaries. Um, I even had to go back and, and have a talk with God and be like, why would you, why would you put me through this Hosea life? You know? And I felt like God was really clear with me. I was showing you so you could see you had a choice. And I was like, what? I don't remember this conversation with you, God. <laughs> and I realized that actually, yes, he was giving me a choice. He was showing me that if I did indeed stay married to my husband, that this would be the path that would be laid out for me, that I would, he, it would be like Hosea and Gomer because I did, by the way, when my husband had 
separated from me because he was unwilling to share the truth. Well, I can't say unwilling. I, I say unwilling. He has a different thought process. <laughs> but in my from my point of view, it was an unwillingness to repent and change. For him, it was an incapability. So I'll give him grace there. And I can do that now because I've had so much healing. But with that being said, you know, I, you know, I needed to still pray for him. And I did. I went and I prayed for him hard. And I felt like, you know, I felt like Satan had a grip on him. And I'm not just saying I feel like that. I saw it. And there were things that I had become aware of, spiritual doors that my husband had opened with his behavior that put me and my kids in danger that he had no concept of. And thank God that I did pray and intercede because truly we may not be here today because of the doors that were open. So what am I saying? All of this I share with you because I feel like as a Christian woman, it's really hard to, you know, when you do get, when you do hear from God and you do pray and you do intercede and you are believing for restoration of your family to think that boundaries are going to have any sort of good effect. But I'm here to tell you that boundaries are such a gift, especially when you're married to an addicted person. And I also want to say that, you know, somebody who has sex addiction, they are tormented by their behavior. They're not walking really and who they are called to be, and who they were created to be. And it's awful for everybody involved. So this is my first part of this. And the next part, I really want to share more about spiritual boundaries and, you know, boundaries in general. So I hope that you take a listen to the one that will be coming next week as a follow-up. But I just want to say thanks for listening today. And I will see you next week. If you have found today's podcast helpful, please like, subscribe, and share. If you are interested in coaching with me, go to www.identitylife.coach. You can also find me on Instagram, identity.life.coach. 